guys sound good today. Take your Bibles and turn to the uh, New Testament book, The Physician, uh, The Doctor. Uh, we're going to uh, look at a familiar story that most all of us have probably heard at one time or another, uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, and we are going to read verses 11 uh, through 24. Uh, I'm going to put a tag on this text this morning, just simply the faithfulness of the Father. I, I'm, I'm thankful for the faithfulness of the Father. And, uh, and, and we're going to apply this today uh, to those of us that are here that are fathers, but I want you to keep in mind uh, all throughout this message, the parallel uh, of, of the greatest faithfulness of a father uh, is the Father, the Heavenly Father, that uh, He is faithful to us. I mean, we may walk away from Him, but He never walks away from us. Sometimes we may be unlovable, but He always loves us. Sometimes we may have difficulties in life, but the Father is always faithful to us. I mean, no matter where we go, uh, no matter what we do, uh, no matter how uh, much uh, at times uh, we fail short of, of what it is that God wants us to be, He is a faithful Father. And today, I want you to realize today that there's always time for you to come home. I, I mean, today, I, I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs to come home to the Father. I, I believe that Christians need to come home to the Father. And if you are a sinner here this morning, I, I believe that you need to, to come home to the Father. I believe our country needs to come home to the Father that is faithful uh, like never before. And so today I want you to uh, just kind of uh, just get it what it is that uh, we're going to say uh, over these next uh, few moments of time as we study God's Word together out of the faithfulness uh, of uh, the Father. You know, uh, someone wrote these uh, humorous words uh, entitled, The World According to Dad. The world according to dad. You know, you, you, you know dads are, are, are amazing beings. I'm, I, mean, I mean, they have different perspectives on life. And so these are the words that most dads have said at one time or another to their children. They, they've said this to their children. And, and, and if we mention one that you have said to your children, just kind of run with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and and, and if, if, if a spouse is beside you, she can kind of grab your muscle because that's you, okay? Uh, I, I, I want you to kind of know these things. Listen, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. You know, when I, was, when I was growing up and I was about to get a whipping, uh, my parents would always tell me, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. You know what? I, I never believed that, you know? Uh, even to this day, I'm, I'm not sure that is true. Uh, quiet, I'm trying to watch the TV. Don't forget to check the oil. Uh, bring back all the change. Today, you ain't getting no change back, so just, uh, just kind of forget that. Uh, how should I know? Ask your mother. I'm not made out of money. Yeah, it should be all of us, you know, you know. I mean, we've all heard this story in one form or fashion. When I was your age, <laughs> when I was your age, when I was your age, I walked five miles to and from school each day in five feet of snow, and it was uphill. How about this one? Who's paying the bills around here anyway? Don't put your feet on the furniture. Your mom will kill you. Quit playing with your food. Be quiet. Can't you see I'm trying to think? 
Why? Because I said so. How many of y'all use that one? Yes, that's a good one to use. If you don't quit that, I'm going to call your mother. You better get the junk picked up before your mother comes home. And then here's one that's very famous. I, I, I use this one. The older I get, I use this one all the time. I was not asleep. I was just resting my eyes. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm sure this morning that uh, all of us that are here that are fathers could probably add a couple more quotes to that list. Uh, being a parent and a father can be an interesting uh, and trying uh, experience. Someone said uh, parents spend the first part of a child's life urging them to talk and urging them to walk. And the rest of childhood is telling them to sit down and keep quiet. And uh, I think that's true. Ladies, I, I, I don't know. If, if you don't get anything out of this message today, you can go home with this. I'm, I mean, sometimes I think we need a dictionary assistant. And I've been told for a long time here, I've been here almost 20 years, uh, but I've been told that uh, sometimes I, I, I don't mean what it is I say. There's different interpretations of what it is I say. Sometimes I use words that you don't understand, but if I understand them, they're words, okay? Uh, because, you, you know, you don't have to understand them as long as I understand them. But uh, somebody kind of came up with a dictionary assistant to help men because, like I say, they don't always mean what they say. So ladies, I'm going to translate for you for future benefits. So uh, you're going to get something out of this message today, no matter what. So this is for future benefit. If a man says it would take too long for him to explain, this is what he means. I have no idea how it works. Okay. <laughs> so I want you to get that. If a man says, take a break, honey, you're working too hard, this is what he means. He means I can't hear the ball game, so over the vacuum cleaner. That's what he's trying to say. When a man says, that's interesting, dear, he means, are you still talking? All of us, all of us get this one. I mean, I mean th th these are true. I didn't come up with this. This is, the, 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 this is a dictionary assistant. When a man says, can I help with dinner? He means, is the food ready yet? Okay, that, that's, that's kind of what, what that means. When a man says, I can't find it. Okay, when he says, I can't find it. He means it didn't fall into my outstretched hands. So I'm completely clueless. When a man says, I heard you, okay, he says, I heard you, he means I haven't the foggiest clue what you just said, and I'm hopefully and desperately hoping that I can fake it well enough so that you will not spend the next three days yelling at me for not listening to you. <laughs> when a man says, you look terrific, he means, oh, please don't try on one more outfit, we're late and I'm starving, I'm ready to go. And here's the last one. When a man says, I don't remember saying that, okay? He says, I don't remember saying that. You got to cut him a break, okay? It's because he means anything I may have said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. And so, uh, <laughs> so uh, kind, of, kind of cut the man a break. Uh, if you need that, I'll give you that. You can post that on your refrigerator later. Uh, so, uh, you can just cut him some, uh, some slack. So, uh, this morning, the faithfulness of the father, we're going to look, uh, at something, uh, in scripture that's familiar to us. Uh, you've certainly heard it taught, 
Uh, you've heard it, certainly heard it preached at some point or another, but we're going to look at the uh, prodigal son uh, out of Luke 15, beginning with verse 11. Let's stand this morning in honor of God's word. This is the inspired word of God. In this word is the power to change life. Y'all put it on the eight o'clock service. In verse 11, it says, and he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. He divided into them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he had came to himself, when he had came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough uh, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. We're seeing the faithfulness. The father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we're thankful for your word. Father, we know that it's holy, that it's absolute, it's concrete, it's authoritative. Lord, today we don't need to hear a word about you, but Lord, today we need to hear a word from you. Lord, I pray that I will decrease so that you can increase. I pray that we not leave this service today with just simply a church experience, but Lord, today we experience you in a mighty, powerful way that you will speak to the hearts and minds of all of us that are here today. If somebody here today is lost in need of you, that this could be the moment of salvation. Maybe there's just somebody here today that just needs to be encouraged. Maybe somebody here today is hopeless. Maybe somebody today is just living in the dark. I pray, Lord, today that you would just reach down and, Lord, you would just touch that heart. And it's in your mighty, powerful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as I already said this morning, oftentimes Mother's Day is certainly a bigger day uh, than Father's Day. When you go to church on Mother's Day, uh, it's, it, it, it's all about how wonderful the mother is, how much the mother sacrificed all that's done for the kids, and everybody leaves with that warm, fuzzy-like feeling, and, and, and rightfully so, mothers do a lot, and so I'm not trying to put any of those things down. But oftentimes when you come to service on, on, on Father's Day, it's, it, it, it tends to be about a bunch of rules and regulations and responsibilities and things that you're not doing and things that you have to do. But this morning, I, I want you to kind of just sit back and I, I just kind of want you to hear this message because it's not one of those rules and regulations kind of Father's Day. 
I want you today to be encouraged. I, I want us all to be encouraged today. I, I want us to leave here today knowing that our Father is faithful, knowing that no matter what is going on in our world, no matter what our perspectives are this morning, that we have a faithful Father who loves us and that cares for us. And so that's my intention this morning. I don't want to make this a bad day for dads, but I want to make it a good day. I want you to know today that God has a role for you and that God wants to bless you. And I praise God that today you were man enough to be in the house of God, that you were man enough to show up here with your family today. And I hope that you'll show up again next week and the next week and the next week because you desire to be the man, you desire to be the father that God wants you to be. So the very first thing that we can take from this story this morning is the faithfulness of the father in spite of the rebellion of the son. The son was living a life of rebellion, but the father was still faithful. The father was still faithful, yet the son was living a life of rebellion. We know that by way of verse 13. He, he, he sets off uh, for the high country, and his father just basically says to let him go. There are some things that children sometimes have to learn for themselves. He wanted it his way. If he saw it, he wanted to buy it. If he thought it, he wanted to do it. I mean, he said, hey, this world is mine. And I mean, this is my place. This is my time. I mean, I'm going to go out there and be all that I can be. So his dad uh, gave him his inheritance and he said, I'm going to be on my way. And so immediately he took off and went out there. Sometimes there's church folks like that. I mean, they hope we don't sing too long. They, they, they hope we don't preach too long. They hope the deacon or usher or staff member don't pray too long. But in verse 13 of this chapter, this son hits the road because he's tired. He's tired of living under daddy's rule. So he wants to go and sow his uh, uh, corn in the country. He's ready to sow his wild oats in the city. So he hits the trail, traveling in the fast lane. He wants to let the good times roll. Let me just say this this morning, and it's a little bit off subject, but I want you to know this, that this son was living a life of rebellion. And today in the United States of America, we are living in a very rebellious world. We're living in a very rebellious society. We are living in a world that is turned upside down. Today, I believe in my time, at least my lifetime, maybe somebody here that's older than me may know a time uh, that's different than me, but we are living in a life today where everybody wants to do what they want to do. And that's where the sun was. We live in a day today of humanism. Humanism has, has saturated our school system. And, and humanism is nothing more than, hey, I want to be a God myself. And I was doing some study the other day about, about wicked and pagan cultures of the past. And sometimes people talk about how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was. And, and, and if you look up the Greek and Medo-Persian and all these kind of kingdoms, I mean, I mean, they had bestiality, they had sexual sins. I mean, they had, they had all the same stuff that we are seeing today lived out. But there's one thing that's a little bit different in this culture to which we're living. 
The rebellious nature of this culture, not only do they want to do what they want to do, but they want to redefine not only what God says, but they want to redefine even biological and scientific concerns. I, I mean, things that, that come from the world. I mean, I mean, God is the one that instituted the family, so I don't need the biological and scientific evidence, but let me just tell you this, that God created them male and God created them female. I mean, plus nothing, minus nothing nothing. That's what God did. But listen, if you want to take that a step further today, biologically, a male can never be a female and a female can never be a male, no matter what. We are living in a rebellious culture. Just a week or so ago, I, I, I went on site, and, and, and this is coming to a stage near you. And I don't want to get all hung up on this because we, we could talk about all sorts of rebellion today. But listen, we are living in a culture today that our teenagers are facing uh, a mental plague and a mental problem. We're living in a culture today where we're seeing everything known to mankind. It's because people are rebellion against the Father. I mean, they are running from God. They're trying to do all they can do. But a couple of weeks ago, I went online uh, to check in for my labs. And usually when you check in for your labs, I mean, you push that bar and then down comes the thing. And all you got to do, you push male or you push female. Well, this time for the first time ever, when I pushed that bar, it slid down there. There were seven choices there. And I couldn't see. I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm liable to push the wrong one. It used to be easy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it used to just simply be male, female, and all I had to do was see the F or see the M, and I could just mark male. But it said trans female to male, trans male to female, trans female to male. I'm like, what is that? I mean, I mean, I mean you're in a conversion process. I don't, I don't know. It's like... Uh, Star Trek, you know, beam me up, Scotty, or something. You, 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 you're in the middle. You're in the middle. Then it said binary, non-binary, and then it said a few other things. I said, look, I told my wife, I said, I should have maybe marked one of these other ones. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you go in. I mean, maybe they'll mess up my lab work or something. But I said, I said, you know what? I'm gonna mark what I always mark. But I just thought, man, what a what, what a culture of rebellion we're living in. We're living in today, and, and let me just tell you this, and I've said this for years. Let me tell you what, this weird world is not looking for acceptance, friends. They want to be the norm, and they want you to be the exception. So make no mistake about it today. We're living in a world that you better get your head out of the sand, and you better realize today that this world and this crazy upside-down sinfulness rebellion that we are seeing lived out every day, they are not looking for acceptance. They want to take over and they want you to be the weird one. You the weird one. So you need to understand today that we're living in a world of absolute rebellion against God. This week, I was, I, I was in New Orleans, and I've been there probably half a dozen times. And I, I, I'm telling you, everywhere I looked, I mean, people were just, I mean, just my wife, she's, she's at home this morning sick. And I don't know if she got it sick from all the pot she smelled all week or what it was. <laughs> But uh, everywhere you looked, I'm talking about dirtiness. I'm talking about, I mean, you, you, you get high just walking around. I just follow some of the people around there. I'm like, whew, whew. I, I didn't have to carry it. it. It was just that bad. 
And I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, some of the weirdest stuff you'd ever want to see. I mean, and I love watching people. I, I do. I, I go to the mall. I mean, I don't go to the mall to spend money, but I go to the mall to watch people. My wife has become a people watcher. You know, she, she's not even interested in shopping anymore. I just love to watch people. People are the most interesting thing you ever want to see. I mean, I just go to the mall and hang out and I'm just like, are you serious? I saw so many things. Are you serious last week? I can't even begin to tell you these things. I mean, it just amazes me. But listen, here's what you need to understand. And then I'll move on quickly. But listen, the rebellious nation, uh, the rebellious nature of this society, it's because of the breakdown of the home. The biggest guns in society and the biggest wars that are being fought right now is not Ukraine and Russia. It's not in South uh, uh, Africa. It's not in Saudi Arabia. But the biggest guns that the devil has today is on the family in the United States of America. And for, for that fact, probably the families everywhere. Because here's the deal. So goes the family. So goes the community. So goes the community. So goes the country. So goes the country. And so goes the church. Let me just tell you what, friends. Today, the devil is got all guns released on the family because we're no longer the family that God created. We're trying to go our own separate ways. We're trying to live this life of, of a rebellious nation. We all want what we want. We, we, we want to do it the way we want to do it. And let me just tell you, I, 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 I know all of us have got our issues. I've got mine. You've got your, some of your examples aren't some of my examples, but let me just tell you what, friends, we're living in a day that you better get back to not compromising the word of God. And you better be able to say, thus saith the Lord God. I'm not talking about what the Baptists say. I'm not talking about what the preacher says, but you better get back to what the word of God says. And you better be able to say emphatically to our children who are our children, by the way. I mean, I don't know where the government's got this ideal again in our world today that they're their children. They're not their children. They're our children. And let me just tell you, friends, we need to get back to telling our children this is what the Word of God says. And it's not up for debate. We say it often that the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's unchanging. It's enduring forever. And so, so, so God's not trying to sniff out pose. He's not trying to take opinions. He, he's not adjusting with society. We are living out in some of the strangest, strangest times that I've ever seen. And so this son here, when he steps away from the father, when he steps away from the father, he, he's basically in full of rebellion. But the, listen, I hope that this next point eventually comes to our country because the faithfulness of the father winds up causing the son to have a reevaluation and a regret. You know what? Anybody here ever have some regrets in your life? You've just done some dumb things. You know what? This, this, this son here, he did some dumb things. I've heard all of my life about the prodigal son, but this story is really less about the son, and it's really more about the faithful father. A lot of preachers like to take it from the, 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 the son, but I, I really don't see it that way. It's really about the faithful father. The son was faithless, but the father was faithful. 
The story was not about the son who strayed, but it was really about the father who stayed in the pocket and is able to save. The story was really not about the son who messed up, but it was really about the father who steps in and cleans up. The story is not about the son who breaks the father's heart, but the story is really about the father's heart that could not be broken. You see, God loves us so much, and at times he will allow us to have what it is that we think that we want. But then all of a sudden, when you get it, you really don't want it any longer. If I had to do it over again, I would do less for my children, and I'd make them do more for themselves. I don't know if you're here this morning, you'd be like that or not. Now, for a while, this boy had a blast. But the pleasures of sin turned out to be the poisons of sorrow. He went up like a rocket. He came down like a rock. He left well-dressed, but he came home in rags. He left clean, but he came home dirty. He left pure, and he came home tainted with sin. He left in a Porsche. He came back on a bus. He left arrogantly saying, give me. Uh, He came back saying, humble and make me. But the interesting thing I want you to see here is the father stayed faithful. The father was generous beyond what could be reasonably expected. You know, we've all read her out, and and she makes a very good point here. And I I just kind of want to insert this. But Irma Bombeck wrote this about her dad. I want you to listen to this because it closes with something that I truly believe. She said, my daddy just doesn't know how to show love. It was mom who held the family together. He just went to work every day, and when he came home, she had a list of sins that we'd committed, and he would give us a whipping for for all those things. I broke my leg once on a swing set. It was mom who held me uh, in her arms all the way to the hospital. Dad pulled the car right up to the emergency room. And when they asked him to move it because the space was reserved for emergency vehicles, he shouted, what do you think this is? A tour bus? Mom carried me in while dad parked the car. It seems all my life dad was parking the car someplace, coming in wet and half frozen. Dad was always sort of out of place at birthday parties. He just simply uh, busied himself blowing up the balloons. He was setting up the tables, running the errands. But it was Mom who carried the cake with the candles on it, and those uh, candles got blown out. I remember when Mom told him to teach us how to ride a bicycle. I told him not to let me go. What he did? He let me go. So I fell, and Mom ran to pick me up. But he waved her off. I was so mad that I showed him. I got right back on that bike and made it myself. And I started riding that bicycle. (laughs) He didn't even feel embarrassed. He just simply smiled. When I went off to college, he was just fiddling with luggage and boxes. It was mom who sat down and said that everything would be all right and gave me comfort. She did all the writing. He just sent the checks and a little note about how great his lawn looked now that I was not playing football on it. (laughs) When I got married, it was mom who got choked up and cried and dad just blew his nose loudly and left the room. All of my life, he said, what are you doing? What time are you going to be home? Did you put gas in the car? Who's going to be there? No, you can't go. Not mom. She just loved me. But dad, he just didn't seem to know or how to show love unless get this, unless it's possible that he was showing love all along. I just didn't recognize it. And you know what? I I think that's true of a lot of us men and a lot of us dads. I think a lot of times we're doing 
the balloon blowing, the stapling, the ribbon on the wall, killing ourselves with Roundup out back trying to get the bugs. <laughs> Filling up the gas tank, I mean, sniffing the gas, you know, you know what I'm saying? All those dangerous things. But, you know, I, 